Podcast, everybody. Welcome back to the Carolina Talk Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Turner. And after a long hiatus, to say the least, what was it, like April or March last time I was on a, a podcast? I know it was during basketball season. Uh, but but nonetheless, we are back. Excited to be back. Excited to be back on here uh, talking some Carolina football. And you can start to expect these episodes weekly, maybe a couple per week. Uh, definitely every couple weeks there will be a few episodes out and We'll be getting these cranked out, especially with the football season starting here in, what, three weeks now? Something like that. It's not far away, guys. We are not far from the Mac Brown era officially kicking off in Chapel Hill. We're not far from seeing some Carolina football again. Obviously, the Tar Heels opening up their season uh, against South Carolina, so that's going to be a fun game down in Charlotte. We'll be there. Uh, as you all know, I'm working with Tar Heel Illustrated still, and we, me and AJ will be there in attendance Watching that game, we'll be at every practice, uh, obviously splitting some time in between, but most every practice we will be at and leading up to that and obviously during the season as well, guys. So stay tuned, stay locked into the Carolina Talk podcast. I'm excited to be back, like I mentioned, and uh, today's episode, we're going to keep them short. I really want to keep these episodes within about 20 to 30 minutes, no more than 30 minutes, and honestly, uh, 25 may even be a little bit too much. I mean, if we have a guest on, Maybe they'll go a little bit longer, but I, I want to try to keep these short. When it's just me on here, I want to try to keep these around 20 minutes because, oh, let's be honest with ourselves, y- y'all don't want to hear me talk for more than 20 minutes on here. 20 minutes is probably long enough anyway. So, But today's episode, we're going to focus on what I saw and break down some things at Carolina's open practice. Day five of practice was yesterday. I'm recording this on Wednesday, so Tuesday, August 6th. They had open practice in the afternoon starting around about 3.30ish. Uh, we got to watch the first 50 minutes or the first 10, I can't remember the exact word they call it, but 10 segments of practice, 10, basically the first 10 drills of practice. Um, we got to watch those. So that was about 50 minutes of action and didn't really get to see a ton. Obviously they were in pads for the first time yesterday, but a lot of what we saw was kind of basic drills. Um, not a lot of contact. We didn't see any guys tackling each other. We didn't get to watch any part of the scrimmage, which you just kind of come to expect. Uh, in this business you're not going to see a lot of scrimmages right now if, if ever so um, but you know nonetheless we got to see some good things obviously the biggest thing we're going to start with and the biggest thing we're going to start talking about um, is the quarterback battle because that's what y'all want to hear about that's what people want to hear about and, and to be honest that's the the biggest question mark for Carolina going into the season and I've talked about this before you know back last year even in the offseason when I was still touching on some Carolina football stuff but I think Carolina's set with either Root or Halliford. And whoever they choose, I don't think you can really pick a wrong guy here. Mac Brown said it a lot, but all of these guys are talented. All of these guys have the ability to, to be Division One starting quarterbacks, and they can all start in the ACC. I firmly believe that. And unfortunately, Brown's also alluded to this as well, that he's going to lose one of them. They're just all three too talented. So whoever your third-string guy is um, is going to be gone after this season, I would think which is unfortunate, but Carolina's also bringing in some good guys, Jacoby Criswell coming in uh, next season. So, I mean, they've got guys that are going to come in and, and replace those guys. I mean, Mac Brown's recruiting exceptionally well right now in the 2020 class. So if that keeps up, I mean, Carolina's not going to be short in talent um, anytime soon at least. So, But yesterday what we saw, you can check out a video over on Tar Heel Illustrated. It'll be coming out soon. Probably by the time you all hear this, it'll already be out, and you can also check it over at my Twitter, at Jacob Turner, T-H-I. Be sure to give me a follower. 
uh, give me a follow over there, excuse me, and to keep up with all the things. I tweet a lot of videos, photos. I mean, I've had this spiel about Jacob Turner, THI, my Twitter account, so be sure to follow me over there uh, if you want to see a bunch of Carolina-related content throughout the season. But the biggest thing that stood out to me, and you can watch this in the the video drill that I'll, I'll have coming out here soon, I took about two and a half minutes of of quarterback film yesterday where you can see them kind of just doing some basic drills. But to break it down, to put it simple, Jace Reuter went first in the drills. Sam Howell went second, and, and Cade Fortin almost always. I don't think I ever saw him not go third. Now, you have to take this with a grain of salt. It doesn't necessarily mean that Cade Fortin's third string. It doesn't necessarily mean that Jace Reuter's first string. And it doesn't necessarily mean that Sam Howell's second string. Uh, I think one thing they could be doing is, is just completely throwing the media off. Cade Fortin could be your starting quarterback, and that's the reason – they have him going third just to keep us on our toes and to you know just keep the battle as wide open as it's been. Because to keep, to be honest, we we don't know we don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be. Um, and not only do we not know, and when I say we, I mean the media and obviously the fans as well. I don't think the coaches know quite yet either. I think if I was able to to pick their brain, maybe pick Longo's brain, pick Max's brain, and just have an off the record conversation. I think he pro- there's probably a leader emerging. You know, obviously they see these guys every day. I think there's not a lot in between the three of them. Like I mentioned, they're all good quarterbacks. They're all gonna, uh, I think, be successful somewhere. I don't know if it's gonna be at Carolina. Obviously, not all three of them can be successful at Carolina, but they all have solid careers and solid college, solid college careers somewhere else. But I've been saying it for the longest time. I think Ruder, he always remind, he's always kind of reminded me of Mitch Trubisky with his body size. Um, I think what a lot of people like about him is he's a, he's a gamer. He's a, he's a big kid, but I mean, he scored a touchdown and led a Carolina in a drive to a, to a touchdown last season against Georgia Tech with a broken collarbone. And I think that kind of says all you need to know about his toughness, which I think can go a long way. He's got the best body size. He's the strongest. He's the tallest. Um, and I know that's not super important at the quarterback position as, as much as it is at other positions. But I mean, it is, you want to have a guy out there that can, See a see over the line of scrimmage, something Nathan Elliott really couldn't do, and something Sam Howell. I mean, he can see over the line of scrimmage, but he's the shortest out of those three guys. And I mean, sometimes when you're watching him, you wonder, can he really see over the line of scrimmage with some of the the big guys Carolina have uh, on the offensive line? But uh, Ruder to me has the best body type. He's probably the I don't know if he's the worst throw out of those three because they're all good throwers. But Fortin's got the biggest arm. I think Howell's probably got the second best arm, and I think Ruder. Um, Bruder and Howell are pretty even, I think, on the arm. I think Fortin just got a little bit better of a deep ball. Um, but one thing you lose with Fortin is Ruder, and you kind of gain with Ruder and Howell, especially Ruder is their mobility. Uh, Ruder's a guy that can run. He's a big guy, so you know, you're not really worried about him getting hit too much. Um, but I think Ruder right now is, if Carolina played tomorrow, if Carolina played South Carolina tonight, whatever it may be, I think Jace Ruder would get the first snaps and would probably be considered the starting quarterback, although I don't think anybody's pulled away as of yet to be the number one. And then you got Sam Howell obviously coming in as a, as a highly rated guy, one of the highest rated. I think it, I think I did some research the day he committed, and I think he's the highest rated quarterback that Carolina's landed since Mike Paulus back in 07, I think is when he came in, some 06, 07, sometime around then. Um, so he obviously didn't pan out too well, so hopefully Howell pans out better than he did, but uh, I think Howell right now is your second string guy, but I think Howell and Ruder are the two guys that are, are really vying for that starting spot. For some reason, it just doesn't seem like Fortin maybe fits the offense as well. He's got a great arm, but I think 
I mean, when I think of a Matt Brown quarterback, you know, Colt McCoy, Vince Young, to name a couple, I think of guys who even Jason Stanisek back in the day at Carolina, option quarterback kind of guy. You, you think of guys with mobility. I think Fortin out of those out of those three guys is the is the one with the least amount of mobility. I mean, he can still get out and run a little bit, but he, he's not necessarily someone you you really want in the open field and really you're going to trust on his legs. He's more of a pocket passer, pro-style kind of quarterback, which can work in this offense, but I think you really need someone who can get out of the pocket if it comes down to it. So Cade Fortin for me is at the bottom of the pecking order, but like I said, I could be wrong, and, and, and the coaches see, obviously see these guys every single day, so they're seeing a lot more than we're getting to see. We're, I mean, we're just seeing 50 minutes every week, not even that. That As of right now, that's the last time we're going to get to watch practice. Hopefully we'll get a couple more availabilities here before the season starts, but we're not getting to see a ton. We're not really seeing any scrimmage highlights as well, but um, right now if I had to give you a lineup, I think it's Ruder, Howell, and Fortin. I think Ruder and Howell are pretty even right now, and I don't see a lot of separation in between those guys, and I think that's really just going to come down to who you feel more comfortable with throwing out there, and I would not be surprised against South Carolina to see more than one quarterback given an opportunity uh, to, to at least produce and see what they can do out on the field. Because, I mean, you can scrimmage all you want, but until you play a real game, it's hard to really see who who's the best guy to, to go with and, and who's your number one. So that's, that's all I'm really going to say about the quarterback battle right now. We're going to continue to cover that pretty heavily because – um, I mean, it's what people want to know about, and that's the most important position on a football team. So uh, moving on to the, the second topic I want to discuss, uh, coaching impressions. I think getting to watch practice yesterday, you get to see coaches working with guys. You get kind of see one-on-one how things go and how coaches interact with the players. And I'm, I'm going to touch on Phil Longo, Tim Brewster, obviously Mac Brown as well, and Tim Cross, the defensive line coach, because uh, I think they all bring something different to the table, and I think they're all obviously good coaches. But I think they all have a different uh, coaching style as well, and I think it's it's worth talking about. So Phil Longo, one thing that stood about stood out with him, and you'll see it a little bit in the video we're gonna release. That's already probably released. Like I mentioned, uh, when you listen to this um, on the quarterbacks, you'll see Phil Longo sometimes in, in these quarterback drills, in these kind of walkthrough drills, these screen pass drills. Longo will you know go in motion as a is a is one of the running backs. He's one of those guys that'll go in motion. He's always very involved. You'll see him running around the field a little bit. Um, so one thing that the biggest thing that stood out to me about Phil Longo's coaching style is he's just very hands-on. He's very involved. He, he's not really, I haven't, at least I haven't seen it yet, he's not really a yeller. He, he's more of a, a positive reinforcement guy. Um, and granted, these drills are pretty simple, so you're not really going to see him raise his voice too much, and none of these guys are really out there doing anything stupid or messing up in, in the drills you'll see in the video. But uh, Longo, he's just a very involved guy. He seems like a guy as well just – getting to talk to him and, and see his personality off the field that guys would want to play for and guys enjoy being coached by. So that's the biggest thing that stood out to me about Phil is just his style, just his very hands-on style, very involved style. And, and his, his um, he's not a yeller, I wouldn't say. At least I haven't seen him do that yet. Um, I know the guys have talked a lot about how he calls the plays during the game and signals them in, and they signal the play only one time. And um, Carl Tucker said it a few days ago, but he's never seen anybody um, – call in plays as fast as Phil Longo does. So uh, I think Longo's going to do some really nice things at Carolina, and obviously it remains to be seen. But and I think his coaching style is something you can appreciate. Uh, Tim Brewster moving on to the exact opposite of Phil Longo, actually. And don't get me wrong, I love Tim Brewster. Um, Tim Brewster's a great coach, obviously the, the assistant to Mac Brown, the head assistant on the team and tight ends coach as well. But got to see some of his stuff um, and some of his coaching with the tight ends yesterday. I put a video out on my Twitter probably about an hour ago now, so earlier earlier on Wednesday that you can go check out uh, of just kind of his coaching style. And 
he's a very hard-nosed guy. He's a very he's not scared to to get in your face and let you know when you messed up and what you need to improve on. Uh, but he's also a guy that when you do it right, he's going to let you know you did it right too. So with, with uh, Tim Brewster, I think it's more of a tough love kind of thing. I mean, he's produced some great tight ends, Antonio Gates to name one. He's coached in the NFL. Uh, he's been a head coach at Minnesota. He's been an assistant at A&M, Carolina, Florida State. So, I mean, he, he's got the pedigree for it. Worked under some really uh, great coaches, Mac Brown. He's also at Texas, but Mac Brown and, and, and um, uh, Jimbo Fisher down at Florida State and Texas A&M. But I like Brewster's style. I think it's he reminds me of an old school classic football coach. With with the uh, there was one point yesterday during the tight end drills where he just laid into one of the guys, and I wouldn't record it and put it on video and put it out to the public. Some of the things he said, I mean, it wasn't anything bad. It was just let's just say there was some expletives uh, said to some of the guys. But it's one of those things where you can tell he cares about the players so much and wants to win so bad and wants to see them succeed and reach their potential. That's that's just the way he coaches, and it's not a bad thing at all. And I think some some people, if he was a high school coach, some some of the young kids that you know didn't have any college potential, if they were being coached like that, might take it the wrong way and run and tell their parents or something like that. But in college ball, uh, in the pros, that's what you're going to get. You get serious guys, you get hard-nosed guys that, that their job is to win football games. So whatever they have to do to make sure you understand what they want, they're going to do. So really enjoy watching Tim, Tim Brewster coach. He's a fiery guy. He's entertaining. But he's also a guy that you, know, he, you can tell he cares a lot about his players and just wants to see him reach the potential that he knows they can reach. So that's the thing that stood out to me most about Tim Brewster. Is in it's, it's actually pretty funny sometimes to watch him. So uh, moving on to Mac Brown. Mac Brown, more of a CEO type role. At least when we get to watch the teams, obviously these guys are doing a lot of specific position drills. Pretty, it's a lot of walkthrough stuff almost. It's just not a. It, you're not seeing guys hit each other. It's. It's mainly just a lot of non-contact stuff, obviously, which is what you expect in football practice, especially the first 50 minutes, first hour or so. But Max, more of that CEO type role. You'll see him on the sidelines, you know, talking to people that are there, talking to scouts sometimes. Uh, mainly, he's just you know supervising, and, and I'm, we haven't seen him coach um, during a scrimmage, obviously, and I'm sure he's a lot more involved then. But during practice, during these position specific drills, when guys are just with their position coaches doing basic stuff, you're not going to see Mac Brown. Like Larry Fedora walking around the field, pacing back and forth, watching specific drills, being involved as much, uh, which is which is fine with me. I mean, obviously Mac Brown knows what he's doing, but he's more of a little. I think he more trusts his coaches a little more. I think he's a little more laid back out there during these stuff and not as hands on. But I'm sure when the scrimmages start, when the games start, he'll be as fiery as ever. Because I mean, Mac Brown is a fiery coach. Make no mistakes about it. Um, moving on to Tim Cross, the last coach I want to talk about. You can also see a defensive line video I, I put out. Uh, you can see that over at Tar Heel Illustrated, and you'll there's about a minute and a half segment of 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 Tim Cross coaching up the D line D lineman during one of the drills. It was probably in the last ten minutes that we got to watch that he was doing this. Uh, they were just doing a lot of basic getting off the block kind of stuff, and you can kind of see how I guess I kind of labeled it as supportive. That's what I have written down in my notes, but it's more of a you can tell he, he he'll let you know what it is. He's not a yeller. He's not a guy who's gonna yell at you. Um, but he's more of a guy who's going to walk you through it, tell you what you need to do better, and then, then kind of crack a joke afterwards, actually, and, you know, hit, hit your helmet, make sure you're all right. Um, you know, I think he'd be, a, just from what I've seen from him in, in spring ball as well and, and in fall camp, I think he's a guy I would love to play for the, on the defensive line. He's just seems more, uh, he's a guy that you trust. He, you can tell he cares about the players, like you can tell with pretty much every coach on this Carolina roster. And he, he's just a guy that you'll see it in the video, but, I forgot who exactly who he was talking to, but he was just walking through a drill, and you know, he was a younger kid, he was a younger guy, and 
tell maybe he was getting a little down a little bit and then T Cross kind of cracked a joke with him like hey you know it's your turn you do the same thing and and then he hits him on the helmet and kind of smiles at him uh, and and you know it's just it's stuff like that you can kind of appreciate from these guys you can you can tell that that a guy like T Cross wants to see his guys work hard but he cares about him too and he's not at least from what I've seen he's not one of those guys that's going to get in your face and let you know but I mean don't make no mistakes he's a great coach he's out there coaching the guys up and He's gonna he's gonna do what it takes for these guys to succeed. So, Tim Cross, uh, impressed what I've seen with him so far. He's a, obviously we've seen all seen the video of let's get this work. So he, he's got that in him. He's gonna I think he's gonna be one of the the lead motivators on this team in the locker room, especially before games. But uh, his coaching style is surprising. He's a lot more laid back than I thought he would be. Um, moving on to the to the last and third and last topic I want to touch on today is is the cornerback group. Uh, you'll see a Trey Morrison feature I wrote coming out today. I think later this afternoon. Uh, again, this is recorded on Wednesday, and we put out on Wednesday. But uh, Trey Morrison's made the move to cornerback uh, at the quarterback position group. Obviously, that position right now is probably Carolina's thinnest group besides maybe the linebackers. Uh, Carolina just doesn't have a ton of depth there. It doesn't have a lot of proven uh, depth there. And what I mean by that is just they don't have a lot of guys who have played a lot of ball. Uh, you look at last year, and the guys that really started most of the season at the cornerback position were Patrice Renault, who I think is great. I think Patrice Renee is – I'm not worried about his side. I think he's going to be that lockdown corner who's going to be guarding your best guys. And So you got him and Greg Ross that really played a lot there last year. You also, Trey, Saul, Trey Shaw, excuse me, Saul reps. Corey Bell Jr. saw some some reps. Got Obviously got the interception in the last game against State. Uh, K.J. Sales played a lot before he got hurt. Obviously, he was a starter at the beginning of the year. and he, He's obviously transferred – to um, South Florida now, and Corey Bell, like I just mentioned, uh, is moved to wide receiver, so those guys aren't available anymore. And then C.J. Cotman played there a little bit too, but he medically retired this offseason with some some medical issues, so obviously hope he's well. But, I mean, look at that, and three out of those six guys are are, are either not on the team anymore or, or have switched positions, so you just don't have a lot of proven depth there. You've basically only got three guys that have played the cornerback position in college football. Trey Morrison obviously was great last year excelled at the cornerback position or excuse me at the nickel position but he played cornerback in, in high school but he hasn't played it really that much at the at, at the collegiate level now granted the nickel position is similar to the corner position in some ways but I mean the corner position you're forced to guard one-on-one and that's really going to be your main thing in Bateman's defense as well obviously there's a lot more things that go on a lot more movement in the secondary um that the that we haven't touched on yet but you, know, you just don't have a lot of experience there. Now, the cornerback group is a position group right now that I think is, like I said, I think is the thinnest um, just because they don't have a, a lot of proven talent there. Not not only proven talent, they just don't have a lot of game experience there. Um, Cameron Kelly, the Auburn transfer who originally, he's only a true freshman, originally enrolled in Auburn in January and then decided to, to switch back and, and come to Carolina in April. They're still waiting to hear from the NCAA on him, I know Mac Brown says he doesn't really know when he'll hear back. Um, I did see some news from a few players across the country that have heard back and, and uh, are eligible this year, and I think that happened over the past couple of days. So hopefully we'll hear a ruling on Cameron Kelly here soon uh, because he's a highly recruited guy, uh, four-star, I believe. Uh, obviously, if you're committed to Auburn, I mean, you're a solid player. Decided to, to come to Carolina instead and if he is eligible eligible to play this year, which I, if I had to guess, I would think he would be. I don't see any. I mean, he's never he was in school at Auburn for two months. I mean, and not not a big deal. I don't know why the NCA wouldn't let him play this season. I think Cameron Kelly might be a guy that slots into the starting 
uh, nickel position, or maybe Trey Morrison moves back there and uh, Cameron Kelly's your, your starting corner over there. Uh, I think Greg Ross is the guy that probably will lose his starting spot uh, either to Morrison or Kelly. Uh, obviously, Ross had a decent year last year, but there was he was kind of a liability out there, unfortunately. And granted, he did get kind of thrown into the fire towards the end of the season without having playing a ton. So it was a difficult position for him to come into. But but right now, I think Greg Ross is the guy that you're probably going to lose out um, as not getting the starter. Obviously, he's going to play some significant minutes still because of you know how multiple this defense is. Um, but I think he's the guy that, that probably has a short end of the stick right now in terms of starting. Um, another thing I want to touch on with the cornerback group is uh, DeAndre Hollins. DeAndre Hollins, redshirt freshman, played a little bit last year. I think it was like five games, was able to redshirt. Still, um, Hollins is, is getting a lot of reps at the one at the nickel position right now. And obviously, I mean, like I said, there's not a lot of proven talent. Hollins didn't play a lot last year. If he was still able to get redshirt, he obviously couldn't have played but so much. So um, the fact that Hollins is your starting nickel, it just kind of shows how uh, – not, I'm not saying Hollins is a good player. I think he's a good player. But he just hasn't played a lot. And, and lack of talent will come – not lack of talent, but lack of experienced talent um, at the collegiate level will probably come back and haunt this defense a little bit because I think the defense is probably – compared to the offense, is the weakest unit, is the, is the weakest um, group you're going to have out there just because it's not like they don't have some really good players out there. They just don't have a lot of depth. Um they have some really good D linemen in Crawford and Strobridge. Linebacker core is just very unproven. We've got some good corners in, in Renee and, and some a guy like Trey Morrison who's just been was exceptional, probably the best player on the defense last year. They've got those guys. They got Miles Dorn, Miles Wolfolk, who are really good as well at the safety position, but still a pretty when you look at that, if you don't have good corners and you don't really have great linebackers either, at least proven guys at those positions. Uh, those are, can really hurt your defense because I mean, if you don't have good linebackers, it's tough to get a to get a rush. It's tough to stop the run. If you don't have good corners, it's it's tough to stop teams from marching down the field through the air. So, um, a lot of question marks still surrounding there. But DeAndre Holland's getting some ones or getting some reps with the ones at the nickel position. And um, yeah, I mean, if I had to guess right now who my starting secondary would be, I would have Renee uh, and Morrison at the cornerback positions, and and Wolfick and Dorn back there as the safeties and at the nickel position you're probably going to see DeAndre Hollins I think the Cameron Kelly thing is 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 it we're it's really important that we hear something back that Carolina hears something back from the NCAA soon because it's not fair to him to to have no idea if he's going to be able to play or not and if he is and if he can play and does get that that waiver from the the NCAA then that'll be um, a big pickup for Carolina and and will add some much needed depth because obviously Carolina's They've got some talent that there. They've got the the Clemson transfer who came in. Uh, they got the Virginia Tech transfer who came in, but they both have to sit out a year. So next season, I think Carolina's secondary is going to look really good. You've also got uh, freshman Obi Igbana and Storm Duck in there that I the guys have really raved, especially about Duck. So I think you're going to see him play a lot as well. And he's related to to Clifton Duck. Got a shout out Clifton Duck who played at Appalachian State, currently with the Bears right now. Uh, was exceptional. Was a freshman All American up at Appalachian State. Uh, both are at a uh, he's out of Charlotte, so um, um, good genes for him at the cornerback position. I, I know guys have really liked, including Mac Brown, what they've seen from Storm Duck because he enrolled in the spring, got a, a pick six in the spring game as well. So getting to be interesting to see how the cornerback position feels out, but those are the really the three biggest topics I want to touch touch about, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up there. QB battle is still in full swing. Um, I'm really impressed with what I've seen from the coaches. I like the coaching staff. I like what they bring to the table. I like the experience they have. 
I like the style they coach with, and I think it's going to be good for, for Carolina moving forward. And the cornerback group, if I had to pick out one position for concern right now, I think that's the group right now that uh, has the most uh, question marks surrounding it, maybe besides the linebacker group and, and obviously the quarterbacks as well, guys. But that's going to do it for me. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, like I said, we're going to try to be pulling out a lot more of these podcasts. I'm going to be trying to do at least one or two every couple of weeks. We'll see how it goes. But really just want to get on here when I can and, and talk and break some stuff down, hopefully get some guests on. And if you'd like to be featured on this podcast on Twitter, I'll obviously have everything out on Twitter. Just comment on the on the tweet when I put this podcast out and, and say you want to be a part of it. I'd, I'd love to. Obviously, this is a fan channel. I want to have more fans on here. Uh, if you live in the Wake Forest, Raleigh area, we can meet up and do a podcast. We can do it through the phone. doesn't matter. But just let me know, and I'd love to have some more guests on here. And, and obviously, I'll have some other guests as well coming up. But a lot of these podcasts are just going to be me. It's just the easiest thing to do. It's just the fastest way to get them out and the easiest way to, to provide and, and for me to talk about what I've seen so far uh, at practice and from interviews as well. Uh, that's going to do it for me, guys. Thank you all so much for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Ladies.